Good morning, Waypoint. My name is Austin, and I'm so glad to have this opportunity uh, to be back up here again today. Man, um, Leah, I don't know if you can hear this, but thank you so much for that prayer. Um, it just really spoke to me this morning. Uh, it, is, it is by God's grace that I have the opportunity to do this, and I'm so thankful. I'm humbled. Um, having had these conversations in this series about the world of flesh and the devil, guys, these are very real things that I personally have struggled with in my life. And, and I know that some of you in this room have too. And so this, is, this, is, um, this has been challenging, but I'm glad you're here today. I am. Last week, uh, we pressed pause on this series to honor our graduating seniors. So if you were here, we just want to say thank you again for being here. Uh, in many ways, high school graduation is like a rite of passage today in our culture. And so we see the value of taking a Sunday service to honor that and to show them that church is a community, a community of love, of care, and support, a community that we hope will one day, um, that they one day come back to and be a part of and attend throughout their lives, wherever their lives take them. So thank you for being a part of that community. Church, thank you very much for being there for them. Um, so something I have been waiting for, for a long, long time, uh, like a very long time now, like since I, since I was a kid, happened recently. Star Wars released a series on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, I'm not going to lie, I was expecting a little more excitement about that, but that's okay. All right, that's okay. It's cool. I'm cool. I'm, I'm excited, so that's all right. Um, but anyway, I'm not caught up yet, so don't spoil it for me, okay? And the reason I'm not caught up yet is because on the same day... The fourth season of Stranger Things was released. I know, how inconvenient, well, the woo over there, I don't know who that was, but yeah, I know. I, how inconvenient, they were released on the same day, all right? Full transparency, full transparency. I really debated, I really debated not watching the fourth season for several reasons I won't get into. However, I will say this, I am watching it, and I will say this season is scary, like scary enough for me to consider not watching it. And like I've already admitted from the stage, like I just don't do scary. Like I don't do scary. I just don't need that stuff in my life. <laughs> like I really don't. Um, but uh, I'm committed. I'm just committed to these kiddos, right? I'm maybe a little emotionally attached at this point, but it's okay. I'm in process, right? I'm, Jesus and I are talking about it, all right? Anyway, I do have a point to make in all of this, okay? There's this line. There's this line in the show that literally made me pause it. And I tried to take a screenshot of it but, and put it on a slide for us, but Netflix doesn't allow you to do that, apparently. Um, but this was the line. How do you expect to stop the devil if you don't believe he's real? The past few weeks, we've been in this series called War, about spiritual warfare. Because to Jesus and the biblical authors, the devil is very real. And our faith being likened to that of a spiritual war, a battle that we must fight in, is not superstition. It's real. And although it would make sense for the devil to, to, to be keen on the idea of people not believing that he's real, because why fight something that's not real, right? Why fight something that you don't believe is real? This plays right into the devil's main strategy in this war against us, in this war against our souls, 
lies. Lies. Lies that are aimed at our flesh, what we talked about in week two, also known as our desires, that are then normalized in a society or what we referred to in week one as the world. And these three, the world, the flesh, and the devil, are like an unholy trinity of sorts and are what we have been referring to as the three enemies of the soul. Three enemies in a war between the reality of Jesus and the unreality of the devil. Lies. Truth and lies. We live in a war between truth and lies that has been waging since the beginning, but yet feels more prevalent than ever, right? In a world with so-called fake news and alternative facts where the truth is no longer the truth, but it's your truth, deception is the root of every single problem we face in society today and in our own souls. And today, I find the teachings of Jesus more compelling than ever. For Jesus, deception is at the root of all things that are messed up. Because Jesus ties deception to the temptation to sin. And all temptation to sin is, in a sense, the temptation to believe a lie. To believe an illusion about reality. For example, if you believe the lie that you are unlovable, If you let that lie into your mind and body and let it give shape to who you are and your behavior, because you don't believe that you are worthy of love, you then let people treat you in ways that are disrespectful or demeaning, or you act in ways that are disrespectful or demeaning. And eventually, you become the kind of person that is not worthy of love and respect, and then because you feel that way, you alienate yourself from the very relationships you crave. Please hear me, sister or brother, like all wounds, like all wounds, especially the wounds of the soul, this can be healed through loving relationships and truth. Ideally, through loving relationships with God, whom Jesus called Father and His family, the church, and through the truth of your identity as a daughter or son of God. Back to my point, lies distort our souls, and they drive us into ruin. Lies, when believed, will lead us to the slavery of sin over truth that will set you free, right? And Jesus, he ties all of this, all of this deception, all of this lies back to a creature that he calls the devil. So I invite you, if you have your Bibles this morning, open with me to John chapter 8. We're going to be going to John chapter 8, and if this sounds familiar, good, all right, good, I'm glad you remember, Um, but we're going to be taking this uh, portion of Scripture somewhere new today. So this is John chapter 8, verse 44. We'll start here. You belong to your father, the devil, and the you here, he he isn't talking to some like atheist movement in the society. He is talking to the religious folk of the day. He's saying, you belong to the devil, And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Jesus links the devil and his lies 
back to the very beginning. So we're going to go back to the very beginning. All right? We're going to go back to the garden this morning. So if you would turn to me, turn with me to Genesis 3, um, we're going to go there to kind of look in depth as to what Jesus was referring to. So this is Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die the serpent says to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Again, this is right up the devil's alley. The devil doesn't come at Eve with like a stick or a sword. The devil comes at her with an idea, a deceptive idea that will play to her desires. Let's keep going. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable, there's our word, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the lies of both of uh, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made uh, coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, right, just chill as ever, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to man, called out to Adam, said, Adam, where are you? And Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man replied, the woman you put me, the woman you put here with me. Right? Isn't that just the most typical thing? You got to love it, right? It was her, the woman you put here, you, God, put here with me. Like the double blame shift. Like it's awful. And like we laugh at that, but like on a serious note, like this is like the root problem of most relationships, blame shifting. Like it really is. The inability to take responsibility for our actions. It's a, it's a sermon for another, for another time, for another series. We're going to keep going, okay? But I just, that cracks me up every time. The woman you put here. Oh my gosh, get me. All right, here we go. Um, the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, said to Eve, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. The serpent deceived me and I ate this is proof right here that ignorance is enough to make us sin. Ignorance. You can have a good heart, you can have the best intentions, and still be deceived. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, in other words, a fight a war between you, this is the devil he's talking to, you, the devil, and the woman, meaning humanity, and between your offspring, the devil's seed, right, the devil's offspring, and hers, 
He, notice it's singular here, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Many scholars think this is the first, like, hint or inkling that we get in all the library of Scripture of Jesus, the Messiah. But that line right there in verse 15, enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, this is what Jesus was referring to back in John 8 when he called those religious folk like, that he was talking to, the, that, the father, that their father is the devil. He basically goes, you are the seed of the devil, Right? And these are people who claim to be the descendants of Abraham. Like, they literally tell Jesus that. They're like, nah, we're descendants of Abraham, not some illegitimate son like you, Jesus. We're descendants of Abraham. And, Abra- and, and Jesus is like, nah. Oh, no, you're not. No, you're not. You are, you are the offspring of the snake. You belong to your father, the devil. And then Jesus ties the devil and this tactic of lies back in John 8 to this story in the garden. And I want to take a closer look at this story in Genesis 3 and the interaction between Eve and the serpent, whom Jesus and other biblical authors later then referred to as the devil, um, because this is where we see the nature of the lies that the devil presents. Because the devil's lies, friends, are not random. That's something that we have said here before. The devil's lies are not random. Like, he's not trying to convince you that Elvis is still alive, okay? Like, there, he's coming after you. They are, he is strategic and his lies are clever and compelling. The devil knows that the best lies are the ones that are almost true. The devil knows that the lies that are 95%, 95% true and that 5% that are false, the most important part that are false, he knows that those are some of the most effective lies or the lies that are the truth but only part of the truth. And this is how Eve was deceived. And friends, this is how we are still deceived Millennia later, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say you should or shouldn't do this? Did God really say you shouldn't have sex before marriage? I mean, if it's so awesome, why would God try to keep you from that, right? You won't certainly die. You won't die. God's holding out on you. He doesn't doesn't want what's best for you. For God knows that if you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You know better than God. You should decide for yourself. You are the master of your own life. You decide what's good and not good. You know this too, right? Look at that. Look at that. Disregard all of this. Look at that. You want that. Eat that. Have this, do this, experience this, believe this, go here, go there, and then you will be happy, and then you will have all of your desires. This right here, church, is deception at its finest. It's a distortion of what God, who is generous with good intentions for us and all humanity, it's a distortion that turns God into this petty and jealous person who doesn't really know you or want what's best for you. It's a distortion of who we are as human beings, created in the image of God, but also from dirt, with both potential and limitations, with design for your mind, for your body, for your sexuality, and all that you are, falling prey to the idea that you can, that you can ascend to the high. 
You can transcend and transgress all of your limitations. Do whatever you want. Be whatever you want. Be true to yourself. Listen to your heart. And it's finally, it's a distortion of how we are supposed to live. Instead of trusting God, that all that he has given to us is good and yields life and satisfaction, we desire that one tree. It's what we want, so we take it, because you can't tell me what to do. It's what I want. From the beginning to now, these are still the devil's go-to lies, friends. Lies about who God is, who we are, and how we should live our lives. And it's lies that we have all believed at one point or another. I have believed at one point or another. Lies that have led us to our bondage to sin, to the destruction of our world and the desolation of our souls. This is the war we fight, friends. The battle of truth versus lies. Out there, yes, but mostly in here. So how do we resist? How do we stand against the devil and his schemes? I want you guys to turn with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 1. This is in Luke. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles, although I think I say this every time. Just get the Bible app on your phone. It's free. It's the version Bible app. It's awesome. It's great. Carry the Bible with you wherever you go. All right. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry, right? As any person would be. 40 days without food? Holy cannoli. I'd be thinking about cannolis at that point, okay? And then the devil said to him, listen to this, the devil said to him, if, if you are the Son of God, Right? If you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And again, it's this deceit that the devil like, practices at its finest. If you are the son of God, tempting Jesus to question his identity, tell this stone to become bread. And then I love Jesus' response. He answers from one of his favorite books in the Bible, at least what we think. This is Deuteronomy. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. There's tacos too. It's in, like the, it's in like the ancient, ancient Hebrew. Um, the devil, so then after that happened, okay, so Jesus responds with scripture. The devil then led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord God and serve him only. Again, here are the devil's lies playing to the thing that they do best. Jesus, God is holding out on you, man. Look at all of this. This is all yours. I'm like, as if Jesus didn't already know that. Come on. Come on, devil. All right. Anyway, Jesus responds, listen, it is written, worship the Lord your God. This is back in Deuteronomy. He goes, he loves that book. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil then leads him to Jerusalem and has him stand at the highest point of the temple. This is, like, this is like the place, if you're a Jew, this is the place, the highest point of the temple, overlooking all of the world. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. And then Satan quotes, he, he's, he quotes scripture. He goes, hey, two can play at this game, senor, okay? Two can play at this game. 
For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered one more time, Deuteronomy for the win. It is said, do not put your Lord God to the test. When the devil had finished all of this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. What we have right here is essentially the retelling of the story that we read in Genesis. And I wish I could get into that a lot more because it is really cool, but we just don't have time for that. But in this story, Jesus succeeds where Adam and Eve have failed, where I have failed, where you have failed, where every other human up into Jesus of Nazareth had failed in the fight against the devil and his lies. So how does Jesus resist the devil? As Jesus went into the desert, how does Jesus resist the devil? As Jesus went into the desert, this is right at the beginning of Luke 4, he's what? Can we get that scripture back up there? The first verse in Luke 4, what is he? He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Right before Jesus went into the wilderness, into the desert, this is in Luke chapter 3, I don't have the scripture because I'm just going to tell it to you, he was baptized. And when Jesus was baptized, two things happened. First, the Holy Spirit descended on him. The Holy Spirit comes down and it descends on Jesus. Second, a voice from heaven calls down and says, you are my son with whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is at the end of Luke chapter 3. These two things, friends, these two things are essential in understanding how Jesus resists the devil. As Jesus went into the desert, he is full of and led by the Spirit, but he's also grounded in the reality of the love of his Father. Jesus could stand against the devil because of spirit and truth. And I'm convinced the same goes for us, that, is by, that it is by spirit and truth that we resist the devil and his lies. Spirit, God's personal life-giving presence, his ruach, right, that word that I made you all phlegm out last summer, his ruach, the very power that raised Jesus from the grave, we have access to as well. God's spirit, his personal presence. And then truth, truth, reality, meaning, purpose. You are my son, my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The reality that God is a good and loving God that wants the very best for you. A God who isn't holding out on you, but gave everything, his own son, so that you and me, we may live out our lives in the love of our Creator as sons and daughters of God. Amen, right? And while these things are essential for us to fight against the temptation of the devil, like essential, more like I mean central, because like without these things, we don't stand a chance. Without the Spirit, the presence of God, the power of God, His personal presence, and the truth, the reality of God, we don't stand a chance, friends. And yet, both of these things we cannot procure in our lives. They simply already exist. We just have to choose them. 
We must choose to open ourselves up to the presence of God. We must choose to curate our thought life, which corresponds to the reality of Jesus, his truth. God will not do that for you. God won't do that for you. He could. He absolutely could, but it is so against his character. He has chosen of his own free will to love and respect your human dignity, so much so that he gave you free will, free will to choose. In layman's terms, it is on us. It is on us to choose his spirit and his truth. So how do we choose? How do we usher God's presence into our lives and God's truth into our lives? Well, how did Jesus by the very practices that we have been attempting over the last few weeks. Meaning that it is through the practices of Jesus that we present our minds and our bodies before God and we open our souls to his spirit and his truth, friends. It is by the practices. And there's no like official list of practices for, of, of Jesus. There's no like official list. Technically any habit that you see Jesus doing in the scriptures, that's like a spiritual discipline. That's a practice that you, we should put into place. But there are two that I want to focus on that we're going to add to like our list of practices that Jesus puts on display in the desert. The first one is quiet prayer. Quiet prayer. Notice that Jesus, Jesus is alone in the quiet and in prayer with God. There are no other inputs there are, there are no other, like, chatters, no other conversations going on in the room, no reading the morning news, no, like, checking out, taking out your phone and, like, just scrolling through Facebook just to see what's going on or who liked my post on Instagram, right? Like, none of that, no social media. Jesus actually literally goes into the desert to get away. And not just to get rid of all the external things, but to also face down his internal inputs as well to sort out the voice of the Father from the voice of his enemy. Y'all with me? Quiet prayer, listening to the Father. This isn't the same as like relaxing and recharging and like getting away so I can be rejuvenated. No, like friends, this is the battlefield where the war is won or lost. Quiet prayer. And then two, what else does Jesus do in this story, in this fight against the devil? How does Jesus fight the devil's lies? His favorite book, Deuteronomy, right? He fights the devil's lies by turning to Scripture three times. The devil tempts Jesus with a lie, and three times Jesus quotes Scripture in reply. And the goal of this practice is not to quote scripture to your friends at, your, at that party that you're at, okay, whatever. Like the goal of reading scripture is not for information, but for the reformation of your mind. To take on the mind of Christ, to, to quote Paul. To actually think like Jesus thinks. To fill your mind with the thoughts of God so regularly and so deeply that he literally rewires your brain. The key is not to think about scripture, but to just think scripture. Practicing scripture, getting in God's word. It's a practice. It's a practice for us. It's a practice that I'm, believe it or not, really terrible at. I'm trying to get better. 
Now, I do have a couple of these other practices in case you needed to be reminded of, but these other practices are spiritual disciplines that we've invited you to participate in. Here they are. I've got the list. So we just went over quiet prayer. We just went over scripture. Fasting. Fasting we talked about last week. And fasting is literally a way for us to experience God in our stomach. Has anyone ever fasted before? You're not supposed to tell people. Come on. Did you know that? Just kidding. It's literally a way for us to experience God in our stomach. It's a way for us to, to starve something that we need, that we desire in order to recognize God's voice, God's presence in our life. That's fasting. Confession. Confession. This one is really important, okay, because we're actually called to confess our sins to one another. And sometimes I think, and we talked about this, I know we talked about this, but I'm going to briefly recap it. Sometimes we think it's just good enough to come in here and like, God, I know I did this, I'm sorry, like, like I'm confessing it to you. Like, it's, that's, that's great and that's good and that's totally a part of the process, okay? But you have got to choose to bring accountability into your life, to bring people into your life that can hold you accountable, that can keep you on the right path, that can be your community, your church. Because if you didn't realize, the devil came at Eve when she was alone, and the devil came at Jesus when he was alone. It is in isolation and by lies that the devil wants to deceive you and destroy you. Community, we need each other. We need church. And we need it more than just once a week. It is so important that you guys are here or wherever you go, that you're getting the word of God, that you're being uplifted by a community of people who love Jesus and who love you. That is huge, that is important in a world full of lies that wants to deceive you. Being here, like how could you afford to miss it? But more importantly than that, the church is a community. It's a body of believers, of people who can support one another, come around one another, be here on a Sunday to send off seniors and, and just congratulate them and welcome them and let them know that you're praying for them. Community, that's the church. If we don't get this right, why will the rest of the world think that they need to be here? It's the church. We're the church. And last, this one, I've, I've talked about this one every week because it is the pinnacle. It is so important. Surrender. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, an astute follower of Jesus, a really wise dude, he says this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Jesus said roughly the same thing. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their own cross and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their own cross and follow me. Band, if you guys want to join me on stage. Friends, to say yes to Jesus, to surrender, is an invitation to say no to a thousand other things. As the monks used to say, every choice is a renunciation. To say yes to Jesus is to say no to living by my own definition of good and evil. It's to spending my time, it's to say no to spending my time and money however I want. It's to say no to the hyper-individualism of our world and our culture that says, do whatever you want. If it makes you feel good, do it. The full tilt, like pursuit of pleasure, 
hedonism, as they say, that's in our day. To say no to that. To say yes to Jesus is a thousand tiny deaths that all lead up to one massive life. And it's not a futile, it's not a futile grasping for control, but it is the freedom of yielding to love. I love that. Yielding to love. It's to say, Jesus, whatever, whenever, I'm yours. These practices, friends, and many more, I encourage you, dive into your scriptures, are, the, are some of the ways that we can experience God in our lives and better understand his truth, his presence. There's a reason that we have been, I've invi- been inviting you guys to these, partly because I hope you guys hold me accountable. Hey, Austin, did you read your scripture yesterday? Okay. Spiritual disciplines, friends, are spiritual warfare. Spiritual disciplines our spiritual warfare. This is practically how Jesus resisted the, de- the devil, and it's how we do it too. Day in and day out, in spirit and in truth, we can fight, stand against the devil and the three enemies of the soul. There's a song that the band is going to play that I've had on my mind since the beginning of the series, and it's one that, like, man, if I'm just... It's one that I just shout at the devil. And like, I know that sounds weird, like you guys, <laughs> right? Whenever we talk about the devil, like it gets a little weird, okay? But I'm, I'm so serious. Like the devil is out to destroy you. So I, listen to this song, um, think about it, contemplate it, and then I'll, I'll be back up. Man, I love that song. Until I rise up resurrected, I'm right here, I'm right now alive. Guys, the devil, the devil. If you are in Christ, friends, you have that victory. You have that power. You have his spirit. You have his truth. Lean into that. Lean into that power. Lean into that truth. Guys, Give those practices a shot. If you are feeling bogged down by the weight, the bondage of sin, give those practices a shot. See what happens in your life when you spend quiet time in prayer listening to the voice of the Father who loves you instead of the voice of the world. Friends, live alive. Don't live a lie. Can I pray with you this morning? Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to be up here, to be alive. God, I'm grateful for your work and your presence here. God, I just pray that we become more aware of your presence, more aware of your spirit. God, and that as we become more aware of your presence and more aware of your spirit, that your truth We hear your truth more clearly than ever. God, we pray for your strength and your wisdom in a world full of lies. Lord, we need your spirit. We need your truth. We need your presence, and we need that reality that we are loved to live into that gives us strength to fight. God, I pray against the enemy in this world, in this room, in our lives. God, may we live alive because of you and your work. We love you, Jesus. This is for your glory. Amen.
Friends, that wraps up the series on war. Be here next week outside, 10 o'clock. Bring some food. We're going to be in community. It'll be good. God bless you. See you later. Adios.